Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that's falling apart faster than the Cardinals rotation. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hi, everyone. And this week, we are joined by a guest. Yes, we have the host of Meet Me at Mutual, among many other podcasts, the blog father himself, Daniel Shoptoff. <laughs> Howdy, guys. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Daniel. Uh, there are certainly much better things you could be doing with your time, uh, <laughs> but we've got you here, and we're excited to have you uh, with us. We've I tricked him. Yeah, I appreciate y'all. Uh, you know, thinking my life is that exciting. So, all right. <laughs> Yikes! And uh, this week, among many things, we are going to be talking about the uh, continued additions to the uh, Cardinals injured list the uh, the rotation and some news and notes from around the league. If you have an idea for the opening joke, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Uh, Daniel, thank you again so much for being here with us. Um, you probably have been the longest supporter of this show at this point. Uh, you know, we we had our long hiatus, and the moment we came back, you were like, "Hell yeah!" You know, you had us on your show, which was a ton of fun. Um, and I just have to ask: Are you, is everything okay? Are you all right? <laughs> When you get old like me, um, you get set in your ways and, uh, you know, have feeling that gap that y'all had, um, is it was good to have you back. I was always good yeah. to have, um, you know, continuity, if you will, in, in this group of people that we have with writing or, or podcasting. And so, um, you know, there have been some shows that I've enjoyed that have gone by the wayside and never come back. So to have y'all reappear out of the ether was always a, <laughs> it was a good thing. Well, um, yeah, we, we appreciate that. And yeah, we're, we're super grateful to the, to the broader, um, you know, podcasting and blogging and, and, and just overall social media, uh, group that supports the Cardinals. It's a ton of fun to be able to watch games and then, and hop on, you know, whatever our platforms might be and, and, you know, kind of feel like we're a part of, of something. Uh, so yeah, thanks for being here today. Um, we've got plenty to talk about, of course, and, uh, it seems like, uh, it's becoming a trend, but I mean, how do you start a Cardinal podcast right now? How do you start anything related, <laughs> uh, to the Cardinals or really anything in life at this point, uh, without starting to talk about Paul Goldschmidt, we've covered him a lot at this point. Um, but I mean, we're, we're, uh, recording this just a couple days before, uh, July and Goldie has pretty much already had, you know, a full season's worth of numbers that a lot of people would kill for. And he, it feels like, you know, we're just starting to enter into the time of the year where he really turns it on. So, you know, where do we see this going with Goldschmidt? Is, is, is it locked in at this point? 
I, I mean, we, we've talked about this to some degree. I, I, we are in uncharted waters with Goldie right now. Um, I also want to point out something as, as of this record, I think this is really fun. He is one home run away from 300, which is pretty cool. Um, nice. Cardinals fans will get to celebrate that. But I, I was looking at his, you know, just trying to look at his numbers, trying to put the season into context. And he, if you look at the uh, offensive uh, numbers above average, the uh, little stat on uh, fan graphs, he is almost he I think he is like one point away from surpassing his entire offensive value last season. Um, he is on pace for his best season ever. He has his de- best WRC plus ever. He is on pace for close to 40 home runs. Um I, I don't know. It's I, is it the bat? Is it the knob bat? Is it's, that what has changed everything? Um, he's got the puck, and uh, and he's here. <laughs> There's a rhyme that I want to make with that. <laughs> he's got the puck, and he's here. I think that's good. <laughs> Daniel, can you think like we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago? But like, I mean, this is feeling Pujolsian. Uh, you know what he's doing right now? Can you think of a time? as a Cardinal fan in really the last 20 years that we've had this type of consistent offensive output? Not really. I was catching up, you know, as part of my blog, I write, uh, at least talking about writing up every game and I do a hero's hero and go, you know, the best player and the worst player of each game. Usually it's whoever the best line could be a, a main thing. Um, and I was looking at it today and you know, Goldie's like got 15 of those. Like <laughs> Nolan had 24 last year. Okay. Off the yeah. whole year. Um, and he's only got like one goat, you know, one game yeah. that he was the worst player, you know, for in my, in my opinion. And I don't think so. I mean, I, like I said, 15 years, you've had people like Pujols and stuff that would have some, some great runs, but they would also have some really bad games that we haven't seen just some you know really bad outings out of goal you, you'll have the 0 for three or, or whatever the case may be but they're not more than one or two here and there yeah i mean he carried that on base streak for so mm-hmm. long and the hit streak right so right. and then like pools was obviously a gold glove first baseman but it, but that didn't last for as long you know goldie is 34 and is still an elite mm-hmm. first baseman so it feels like he and the the heads up base running he just does everything so well so yeah it's really hard to ever say that he was not doing well in a game even if he didn't necessarily get a hit yeah i think like the difference i think in watching goldie play first but if we're like just specifically to narrow in on that topic Mm -hmm. like Goldie's I, I think Albert prime Albert had it was probably as rangy as a first baseman can be while still like playing first base, you know, right. but, uh, his ability to go, um, you know, side to side and, and just his ability to run back on balls and catch fly balls. I don't know if we've ever seen anything like that, but Goldie's steadiness and his ability to pick at his hands and just like his, his awareness around first base. We saw there was a play the other day, mm-hmm. um, earlier this week where the ball kind of blightly bounced off first base and he kind of had the wherewithal to catch that, grab it, plant his foot on first and, and he had a couple other kind of spectacular interesting plays in that same game i think it's in basketball what do they call it like the court awareness or his ability to understand where everyone is where the ball is what he should be doing and then execute i i don't know any maybe arenado is the only one that i can really think of off the top of my head his ability to slow the game down is unprecedented and, and uncomparable to any first baseman that i've watched 
um, you know, for this amount of time, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree because like you said, there were, <clears throat> excuse me, there were times where it felt like Albert was going to be able to make the play at second base. He had that kind of, <laughs> of range. Um, but I don't, you know, Goldsmith is just so, like you said, aware of the headiness, the, the, you know, the game, the, the play you talked about. But then there in that same game was the grounder up to first base where he had the wherewithal to, you know, touch the runner that was coming back before he touched the first base so that he could get the double play. We saw last year, you know, how many double plays, that, you know, that, that big long double play that when the Cubs had started with him throwing, trying to throw a guy out at home plate just yeah. because having that sense of awareness and to have one of those guys, but to have, yeah, to have Nolan on the other side, you can see some really, it, not just athletic defense, but smart defense that not everybody gets to see. Yeah, we're we may never as Cardinal fans see the combo of Goldie and Arenado, um, you know, again. And uh, if if I can, I know we're talking about Goldie, but that bare hand catch or the bare hand throw from Arenado just what was that yesterday or two days ago? Just showing Uh, off with that one. Yeah, Yeah, it it almost looked like he closed his eyes and looked the other way as he (laughs) as he as he he caught the ball barehanded. Like it it really was. one of the more smooth plays and Goldie makes everybody else better with that ability to Mm -hmm. pick it. Like Edmund is really starting to show up as a shortstop. We talked about that last week. Um, But you know, he's making all these crazy throws, uh, but it's really Goldie on the other end. That's got that reach and that ability to stay on the bag and, and make the catch and make Edmund look as good as he's looked. I like, I, I can think of maybe a couple of times watching Goldie in a Cardinals uniform where he's been handcuffed by a, a bad hop or a, a bad throw. Like his just, yeah, his ability to just get there. Um, and, and I think kind of to that point, like I, I feel very confident in saying that we are watching four potential or likely hall of famers on the same team right now with, you know, Yachty, Arenado, Goldie. And I'm saying Wayno cause we'll, we'll talk about Wayno later, but it, the things he's just going to keep going and, and keep doing this. And um, I, I think I've said this already this year, but he's backing his way into the hall of fame. I'm calling it now. <laughs> how do you, how do you think they structure a contract where it's like 10, one year deals <laughs> like the Correa contract, but it's just 10, one year deals and just let Wayno back out whenever he's done. Well, that's what they did. What the Boston did with Tim Wakefield, right? The end of the year. Yeah. It was just like every year. It was like, okay, here's your contract. If you want to come back next year, here it is. And if not great. And, it, it could be also could see Wainwright. I've, I've thought about this a little bit this week that he could easily be one of those guys that doesn't want the farewell tour. And so he's, you know, he may walk away at the end of the year just because that way people can't make a big deal out of it. Well, he's got to go on tour to support his new album. So we'll see if, uh, <laughs> fair, <you> know, <laughs> if we can, if he can balance those two things at the same time. Um, yeah, it's so hard to tell. He's like, you know, you could see him riding out the sunset with, with, uh, Yachty and, and pools and saying like, I could keep going, but oh, I'm good. I forgot, I got, there's five. You know, I forgot. Yeah. Pujols. Yeah. Yeah. What am I doing? I, uh, yeah. You know, he's like, I, you know, I got mine. I I'm good. I'll, I'll leave healthy and leave on a high note or whatever. Or I could see Wayno pitching until he's 48 years old and like, sure. I can only throw one <laughs> inning every two weeks now, but put me in coach, you know, Hey, you know, Roger Clemens was, uh, he was on the inner, he was on the the broadcast the other day and he, ba- he put out the challenge to Wayno to pitch till he's 45 at least. 
So I say Wayno's at least got to prove, you know, Roger Clemens that he can do that. I I mean, if I were betting, I think that Wayno is, you know, barring, barring any sort of catastrophic injury, of course, knock on wood. It's like, it's, there's no reason to, uh, believe that he doesn't have multiple years left in him, but um, we do, we do have that on the, yeah, on the, I, on the, I'll, I'll, I'll have a point for that. I'll save it till later. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, yeah, to button up this, this Goldie conversation, I, I just, I, I like, I could just pour over his, his baseball reference and fan graphs, uh, pages all day. But the fact that he has simultaneously increased his walk rate, decreased his strikeout rate, increased his power numbers, all at the same time at the age of 34. I mean, this is just, I, it's, this is how you put together an MVP season. It's unbelievable. Um, I love it. Give me more. Yeah. Doesn't it's seem also like it's going you, anywhere. It's how you reestablish the hall of fame pace that he was on until basically until the Cardinals acquired him. And he had a couple, you know, yep. down years is all relative. Of course, he's been a very good Cardinal since they've had him, but this is what everybody wanted when we were, you know, screaming to, uh, you know, acquire and, and extend Goldie. This is what you know you were well, you were hoping for. And I mean, better, really. I mean, he's on pace for his best season of his career. Daniel, would you say Goldie is the best first baseman in baseball? I would think so. I mean, I can't think of anybody else right now, but I'm also very biased on and locally. So, <laughs> Freddie. Uh, Freddie, Freddie's I mean, he's, he's yes. tugging at those heartstrings. He's had a very emotional week. You're not going to yeah. give him this. Uh, I, I, no, um, <laughs> partly. Yeah. Again, partly because I don't see, I don't watch as much. I know yeah. you especially get a chance to watch more games than, than I have, but um, boy, you know, again, it's very difficult right now to imagine anybody you know, with him be a player of the month of May uh, player of the week there in June. I mean, he's probably not going to win player of the month in June, but he could. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's difficult. And, and like we were talking about, he hasn't even got to his hot months yet. Like there, there might be another level that he's going to somehow tap into that seems inconceivable right now, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it, if you were drafting a, a team right now for like rest of season play, it'd be hard not to take Goldie, uh, not only like as your first baseman, but just high up on your, your draft list just yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on. I mean, I think, uh, you know, clock <laughs> this in as another 10 minutes of talking about how awesome Goldie is on, uh, <laughs> on the season. Cause, uh, and uh, I don't think that we'll be slowing down, but we should probably move on. So, uh, we will move on to some less exciting, uh, news, uh, sort of, a the, the shit sandwich here. We'll talk about the good stuff and the bad <laughs> stuff, and then we'll get back to some good stuff. So, um, some bummer stuff. Uh, you know, the, the the carousel of the injured list continues with the Cardinals this year. Uh, uh, Flaherty, I mean, you know, we've talked about him. He probably has the highest amount of minutes talked about to uh, to <laughs> actual games played or the, the lowest ratio of anyone that we've talked about on yeah. this podcast, short of maybe Alex Reyes. Um, he's back on the I.L., a lot of controversy, of course, about when he was brought back from rehab. You know, the is he on the outs with the 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 front office? You know, what is all this? Frankly, I've ignored a lot of that <laughs> that uh, that you know controversy. But um, it is ultimately it's a bummer. I think we said a couple of weeks ago that him returning from the IL it was 
maybe the most important thing to happen to the Cardinals, uh, you know, this season and, and that his role on the Cardinals is, is critical to the success of this year. And, uh, it's about to be tested because he's back on the IL with shoulder strain. Uh, I'm sure we'll get more details soon, but uh, we're right back where we were, uh, just a month, a month or so ago that saying, I sure hope we get some Jack Flaherty this year. Yeah, and I think I think that's multi-factor, right? In, in the sense that when Jack Flaherty's healthy, uh, maybe outside of Goldie this year, he's probably the best player on the Cardinals. Um, I would hear arguments about Nolan and and, and some other guys too, uh, but he's probably that's the most some, talented. Uh, some Spangenberg erasure, but um, <laughs> we can. He's not on the Cardinals right now. So. <laughs> He's a Ferrari in the garage, baby. <laughs> you take any team's, you know, first or second most productive, best player, most talented, however you want to kind of frame that, and that's a problem. Um, then you combine it with the fact that the Cardinals are just in dire need of starting pitching. Um, like imagining where this team is without Andre Pallante this season is a sad little thought ex- exercise. I do think, you know, I- I'll talk out of both sides of my mouth for a second and say that, like, I think it also speaks to a lot of credit of what Wayno, uh, Dak Hud, and um, Miles have done this year. Like, they have been top tier. Uh, they have been a- one of the most productive, like, three headed monsters in the starting rotation um, when you, when you kind of compare their numbers across the league, um, you-, you know, cumulatively. Um, but that's that has been the position of need all spring training all year. Um, he is him not being here is really bad. I, I mean, there's <laughs> there's more to say about it, but that that's well, how I feel about let's, it. Let's let's hold back the you know <laughs> w- we try to be an approachable show here, so let's let's avoid you know such uh, you know specific content as it's really bad. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, Daniel, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't hey. want to get into the controversy of if it's really bad or not. That's, you know, I, don't, I don't really want to get into that. Um, yeah, it's put your I neck mean, out there. Yeah, with uh, with the way the offense is going this year, I mean, what one of the top offenses in baseball? You, you, you know, this team should be pulling away from the Brewers instead of kind of bouncing back and forth. And the reason they aren't is because of you know not having a Jack Flaherty, and you know not having that rotation that's been what we've seen in the past. Um, it is, it's frustrating to see. I mean, I don't know that I know, you know, there were some words back and forth. I don't think that the way they cut the rehab short really made a whole lot of difference to this. I think it was probably going to happen anyway, but it does start to make you wonder, you know, when are we going to see a fully healthy Jack Flaherty? Um, Hopefully this is just a, a minor setback and we get a second half. We won't get a second half like 19, but at least something that approaches maybe even last year's season. Um, but, you know, the, the more this goes on, it, it's just frustrating. The Cardinals have had so many great pitchers that have been cut down by injuries over the last five to 10 years that you, you hate to see Jack Flaherty be another one of those guys. Yeah. Though they really have, I mean, how many, you know, future ace after future ace has come through the system that ultimately, you know, ends up in the bullpen or, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Carlos Martinez, we were both, you know, huge fans of him. Alex Reyes is, is Flaherty falling in that mold? Like who's the last guy really to like Lance Lynn maybe, but he really only, you know, he he's different now than he was when he was with the Cardinals. Um, 
I can't think of the last guy that the Cardinals have like pulled up, developed, and was like an ace for us until free agency. It's Wayno, and he's yeah. still there. Yeah. I, I know. I'm <laughs> racking my brain over here. It's, no, it can't be Wainwright. Um, is Kyle it? Loge. Yeah, he was yeah, a. It's even Loge. They brought he was a free in free agent. Some, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They've had some good luck with that with the free agent market, but yeah, a lot of the a lot of the good pitchers. You know, we saw tonight Sandy Alcantara on the other side of things. They've had to you know, use some of that assets to get, you know, people in here. So where, where does Waka fit in this conversation? Is he same I mean, story, right? Too, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the yeah. reason he was able to walk away from the Cardinals. Waka Waka. <laughs> he was able to walk away. Um, <laughs> that sucked. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> was because of his injury history you know he he basically had the the playoff the, the i don't know what am i trying uh, yeah 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 he had a yeah. good you know a good little run but he was so inconsistent that it was shelby miller shelby miller yeah yeah i mean yeah there's been a lot of guys that have come up that just didn't pan out um for injuries or other, other reasons and so yeah to have a guy like flaherty that really looked like he was going to, you know, tap into what we thought he was going to be um, to see him then go down and continue to bounce around with this injury stuff is, is frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it really, I think, you know, the idea that it, 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 it he was getting healthy, they were like, mm-hmm. the only test that he has remaining is live game action. You know, they were talking about, they were, they were really telegraphing that to the media. And then of course that final test happens. And then it, it was similar to Hicks kind of starting the season. It's just, uh, the start didn't go the way it was supposed to. The next start didn't go the way it was supposed to. And then boom, you're on the IL. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know if we need to point fingers or anything like that, but it is, man, it is frustrating. I think frustrating yeah. is the right word for it. Yeah. I don't, I don't really think there's any real controversy here. Like, um, you know, w- what's the real difference between a start against the pirates and a start at triple a, um, and <laughs> it's not like he would, been harder. Yeah. He's not, it's not <laughs> like he was, would have been, you know, it's Jack Flaherty. He, he is a guy who's going to compete a hundred percent in every setting. Right. So mm-hmm. really what would have been the difference from like a shoulder element to pitching it in triple a versus pitching against the pirates, all easy joke of jokes about the pirates <laughs> aside, you know, so I like, I, I think people are just frustrated and want to point blame somewhere and say like, he was rushed back, even though he this was what three or four starts into his return that this yeah. happened. So it's probably had nothing to do with that. And this was going to happen regardless. He just is not. There's something, you know, more structurally going on with his shoulder that like they, you know, that was maybe it wasn't diagnosed, but I don't know. These, these are just things that happen. And it's. It's just it sucks. I mean, pitchers break down. That that right, is, yeah. that should really be the thesis statement of this whole conversation yeah. is they're doing you know they're doing something that doesn't make sense and their body hates it. Yep. Yeah. So here we are back where we were before. You know, he was supposed to come in and sort of solidify the rotation. So we're right back where we were. Um, we're going to talk about pitching a little bit here again in the moment, but or in a moment. But uh, the the other injury uh, almost like more sad just because of how fun he is and and what he does for the defense but uh harrison bader on the il plantar fasciitis never fun um <laughs> not great <laughs> i th- this one i i think uh 
I think all Cardinals fans probably have anytime they read plantar fasciitis, they think of poo holes and, mm-hmm. and him dealing with that. And it basically thought, just yeah. aching his yep. legs from him. And yeah. Harrison's game is around his legs. So I, I would, my worry meter is like a seven or eight on this. Um, you know, I don't think it's any secret. Like obviously his defensive value comes from his legs and the, the little stolen base game that he and Tommy Edmond had going this season, all that, where, where does, where does he come back? How does that happen? Is this a thing that he's going to, it'll be a chronic issue now? I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hitting the panic button lightly, I guess. I think that's fair. I mean, especially for Harrison Bader's long-term, um, career if you will because yeah he may be able to come back this year but you know how often is he going to deal with this because it felt like that was something that Pujols dealt with pretty much every year probably still is um, and that was obviously not part of his game Um, yeah I was I mean I I had no idea I this was that was one that kind of surprised me when it came out I figured it was just because he didn't actually tear up the Cubs like he normally does and I figured (laughs) something was wrong um But, uh, yeah, when you, when you think about it like that, um, it is, it is concerning and, you know, we'll have to see, I don't know if there, I mean, there's no timetable as far as I know for him to return, but when he does come back, I mean, that's something that's going to have to be watched pretty carefully and that can alter the trajectory, not only of this season, but of, you know, years to come. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's where my worry comes from it. Dan, Daniel is like, what does this look like when he is, you know, he, he's either stealing second or running down a ball in the gap or whatever. And, and is this going to keep flaring up? I, I, I will say, though, I, I think something that we do have uh, a luxury being Cardinals fans right now is that Tyler O'Neill is should be on his way back. Right. Um, and he'll play a fantastic, you know, gold glove left field. And Dylan Carlson is by no means Harrison Bader. But here or, but uh, but Dillison Car- D- <laughs> Dillson Carlson, <laughs> um, you know, the guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> is no no schlub in center like that that like a lot of teams would just play Dylan Carlson in center so I, I do think that, that that's nice to have and when Tyler comes back the outfield won't look totally decimated like a lot of teams would look like losing their you know star center fielder or whatever but it does that give you any warm and fuzzy feelings or am I crazy I, I it's a good you know it's good that we have other good outfielders <laughs> it's bad that Jack Flaherty is hurt and it's good that we have other good outfielders. And that's the kind of content that we bring to you here on talking about birds. Um, Now I see what you're saying. And even Tyler O'Neill can play center. Right. And so like if, if the worst thing, you know, is that uh, now we have Carlson in, in center and Alec Burleson is playing right field. Juan Yapez is playing right field like Brendan Donovan, who, you know, has looked okay in the outfield. He certainly loves to take a dive at a ball and look good doing it. He's got the flowing hair. You know, we still have individual elements of Harrison Bader across this team. Um, So it'll be okay, but it is, he he brings a, 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 um, the, the the Cardinals have often been devoid of like fun players mm, swagger, you know, swagger. Yes. Like Goldie is the opposite of swagger. You know, they call him big fundy. Yeah. Arenado is, will twitch himself out of his Jersey, but he's not necessarily like swagger, you know, but, but 
Bader brings that like energy that I think, you know, is fun besides all the skills. And and there's a combo package there that I think is a is a net loss to the team that even though we might be able to um solve it with like different pieces in different places, it's it's a bummer from just like the enjoyment of watching the game. You know, can I can I really eat Bader tots if there's no Bader on the field that's what I wanted I I just got a little concerned when you said there were elements of Bader throughout this thing I thought we were gonna like have to like chop people up and piece them together (laughs) I mean mean, if we have to I guess we just need Brendan Donovan's head and (laughs) yes um Edmundo uh, Sosa's legs yep we'll get there before you know it yeah, yeah. but no i mean you're right though but like yeah. there is i was trying know, to make a point and yeah you're just yeah yeah i feel like uh, i was yeah. making a point sure um, arguably i mean i feel like i was making a better point but um the <laughs> it, it sucks i mean you know it's bad let me just be the first to say it it's bad um but you know maybe we the the whole team right now is just slowly but surely being replaced by the memphis redbirds <laughs> so you know, which is no problem again. yeah apparently yeah yeah i mean when you've got what what is it 11 and 12 now that have made their debuts yeah um when you have that you expect to be the pittsburgh pirates yeah. and not a team that's winning the division i've already exceeded the amount of um uh you know debuts that happened last year and we are still in june yeah and- and not not to get this conversation wildly off topic, but I think like how happy are Cardinals fans and just watching this all come come to life, you know, in front of our eyes on the big league club with Randy Flores is uh, and, and his whole team's ability to draft. Like I, I feel like a massive wind has shifted when we're seeing the kind of contributions like we haven't had this since the World Series days and, you know, 06 and 11 um, where young guys have been making contributions and like impact contributions on the offensive side. Um, Yeah. Well, we've been talking about problems, you know, now for 15 minutes, but it's still, it's a really good baseball team, you know, like we're, 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 we're picking at the, the problems that will, you know, can become bigger if they're not addressed. But uh, this is a really unique team right now with a really interesting blend of, you know, an MVP level player who's you, know, you would you would generally consider to be on sort of the back end of his career. Uh, you know, Arenado, Pujols, uh, Yachty, Wayno, all these sort of elder statesmen, and then a bunch of dudes that are like twenty three and twenty four that are really carrying the team outside of um, at least like defensively and, and energetically. You know, they're really carrying the team, and it. Uh, we talked about this last week, and they're not even the top prospects on the team, which is crazy. I mean, Yepes and Libertor, they've been pretty highly ranked, but uh, you know, we've got some real high level prospects that are, that are still working their way through the system. So it, it makes me think of like, you know, like you were saying, not since like Lunau and when his machine of, you know, debauchery was rolling, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean it's fun. Like this is still a super fun team because of all these these young guys coming in to fill in. If only we just had uh just a handful of ace level pitchers that were just ready to come up. Um well, talk speaking of natural segue here. We did get two new debuts. Uh the ones we've all been waiting for. <laughs> 
uh, Connor Capel. I may be getting these names wrong. So no, yeah, that's I, right. Well, okay. also, who's apparently Roger Clemens is for, uh, his godson or something like that. Nice. Um, and uh, James Nail, who what a uh, what a fun debut. I, I love a debut. Even you know we talked about this with Kramer Robertson. You know these guys that like you know, they, they've worked their entire lives for this. And, you know, we see them maybe not as high, high end prospects, but for these guys, this is the culmination of a life's work and a family's commitment and all these different things. And, and it, it's fun, regardless if their stay with the big league club is going to be a long time. Like this is fun and, and worth celebrating. And, and, uh, James nail is from the, you know, from Missouri. He got the call, got his whole family, to get tickets, get to Bush. And, you know, as a reliever, you never know. You, you, you know, there was as good a chance that he'd get in a game as there was that he never gets in a game and gets re-optioned down, you know, and never actually makes his debut. But he gets his whole family up, and he gets a debut in his first real game, relieving Adam Wainwright, who he had a poster of on his wall, uh, which is funny because he's 29. <laughs> he's not like, <laughs> you know, so that that's, you know, Wayne has been going for so long that a 29 year old is like, as a kid, you were my favorite pitcher. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, he, he got to, uh, you know, live a dream come true and it was fun. And, uh, I don't know. Did you all catch this? That like his Jersey was clearly, uh, like put together last minute and it. And, uh, I, I, I saw this on Twitter. I wish I could, I, I wish I could cite my source, but basically they zoomed in on it. You, it, it really looked like it was an old David freeze Jersey that they had peeled off all the, uh, lettering and you could still kind of see the lettering of freeze and they'd like taped on the name nail onto it. You know, it was like, so last minute get this so guy a jersey rip it off the wall yeah <laughs> yeah go to the uh, cardinals but, museum and and uh and rip something down yeah and so you know congratulations to him and his family and everything and you know and hope i hope hopefully he's awesome and he had a good debut and uh cable's got the uh the the um start at designated hitter in the game that's actually happening as we record uh, but I'm being a good podcaster. I'm not watching the game as we record. So I don't know if you guys. Uh, yeah, it. I would never do that. <laughs> there's there's a game on. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's uh, the 11th and 12th debuts of the year for the Cardinals. And while these guys, you know, may not stick around forever, um, you know, I guess we just keep keep the bus going from Memphis to St. Louis. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Capel's probably one that's kind of like Kramer Robertson earlier in the year, right? That could, couldn't be removed from the 40-man if necessary. Um, yeah. And, you know, with Tyler O'Neill coming back soon, he, he probably will at least go down to Memphis. Um, you know, now we'll see. Um, yeah, I think they've... I think there's plenty of opportunities out there for <laughs> a different arm. And yep. um, well, if he can capitalize over the next week or so, then, you know, he may have a long-term future. Yeah, yeah. I honestly, I'll, I'll say I've ne- not heard his name before him coming up, mm-hmm. and like you were alluding to, you know, a- anybody that can get outs in the bullpen right now has tremendous value to the Cardinals. So, I'll take it. Yep. Um, Hennessy Cabrera is on the IL now too. However, this seems to be maybe COVID related and not something too much to worry about. When they don't say anything, that's COVID, right? 
I mean, I, I think it has to be, but it's very yeah. weird. I mean, one, it's, I mean, you've got TJ McFarland who's on for COVID and I'm sure it's, he doesn't care. I just am surprised that here we are two years into this. We know, you know, how things are. If, if Hedessa's Cabrera has a COVID thing, okay, no big deal. I'm, I'm just very surprised still that there is this kind of cloak and dagger around it when it pretty much has yeah. to be that. As somebody who's gotten COVID twice, yeah, you know, I think I would just let the uh, <laughs> let the media know. Yeah, guys, I got COVID. I'll I'll be back. I'm going to drink some orange juice and and I'll get some guys out again. Um, I I will say like the TJ McFarland thing was kind of is this production? Is this illness? Is he hurt? Cabrera has had a weird season too. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think the Cardinals are doing anything untoward or anything like that. But I wonder if this will be maybe a blessing in disguise. Maybe he can get a little time in AAA and kind of figure himself out a little bit. He just, he's had flashes. You know, we've talked about the four inning performance that he had against the Cubbies. He's had some great times, but he has not been what you'd hope for with, I mean, with the stuff, right? Well, and I think I haven't looked lately, but early, I'm pretty sure he's given up either more home runs or right about as many home runs as he ever has in fewer innings. Um, he really does feel hit or miss. You know, there's nights where he is dynamic and then there's nights where he may not know what zone, uh, what area code he's pitching to, um, <laughs> you know, and I think he's, you know, he's more reliable now than he ha- he probably was a couple years ago, but yeah, there's still that little bit of, you know, anxiety when he comes in. Um, and you know, there's nobody better. Uh, except for the two guys that are, you know, you know, Guy Gosen and Helsley. But, you know, it doesn't mean that you're all that confident all the time. Yeah, I was curious. So I looked it up while you were talking. Um, he gave up three home runs last year in 70 innings, five and 31 mm-hmm. and two thirds right now. So that, that has definitely <laughs> been a problem. It's also walking guys at, at a rate that isn't great. Um, and only seven, uh, 7.3 strikeouts uh, per nine is uh it's just so low for when you see the 98 with that curveball and, and the changeup has has had moments of brilliance this year too like it just doesn't add up I, I i'm hoping that there is more to tap into and he can figure that out but i guess we'll see when he comes back yeah well we know teams have uh, exploited the 10-day il to give guys um sort of an extended break and you know who knows what this is but um do do either of you know do you need a is there any like stipulation around the COVID il do you need like a failed pcr test or anything to get on that or a doctor's note (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know that there is but i also figure there's that gentleman's agreement across to make sure that people aren't abusing it um because the dodgers haven't yet so um (laughs) (laughs) well there there have been guys who've been put on it because they had symptoms and then they're mm-hmm. back off of it like a couple days later, you know? So yeah. I, I don't know. It, it definitely doesn't seem like you need to have a failed test to go on it, but maybe you do to have to stay, to be able to stay on it for an extended amount of time. I I'm, I'm really not sure. Yeah. Um, well, you know, hopefully he's able mm-hmm. to, to figure it out. And if he is out because of illness, you know, we, we of course wish him, speedy recovery and he maybe can figure something out on a, on a short rehab assignment. Um, then I'm going to kick this one over to you. We got a, uh, interesting word from, uh, Mazalak about, uh, Paul DeYoung and, uh, uh, he's, I know he's your favorite player. So I thought you'd, uh, 
Well, want to share this one. I'll go back to saying really obvious statements. And the St. Louis Cardinals are a better team with Paul DeYoung on it. In what capacity? I don't know. I think we can argue about that all day. But I think the team is better. Anyways, in an interview, I believe it was with The Athletic. I should have written that down. I think this was a Katie Wu article, so I apologize. I'm not giving this person credit. Um, but Mo referred to Paul DeYoung's situation as a Wally, as similar to Wally Pip. Um, and I, I think if you don't know who Wally Pip is, Wally Pip is the guy who lost his starting uh, job for the Yankees to Lou Gehrig. Um, basically, went down for an injury and was never heard from again because he got replaced by one of the best hitters of all time. You never want to be a Wally Pip. <laughs> you never. I mean that. Yeah, I think honestly, I, I don't know if there's a worse name to conjure as far as your baseball future than Wally Pip. Um, <laughs> to be fair, I looked it up today. Wally yeah. Pip the next year was got MVP votes. He did it in Cincinnati, but, right. um, but he, yeah, he did have a couple more years. I always think of him like never playing baseball again, but he actually <laughs> played actually, for like yeah. three years. I had no idea. That is interesting. Yeah. So good, is for, good. good for a Wally. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and honestly, I, I could see all of that playing out for Paul DeYoung. I could see Paul mm-hmm. DeYoung having a nice season for the Cincinnati Reds next year <laughs> or, or somebody else. But we, you know, we we listen to Mo, and I, I think all three of us are—you always try to decipher what the hell Mo's actually saying and how he's saying it. But when he says something like this, it's—I mean, that's a, that's a, about as clear as you can get. And and that seems like we're not going to see Paul uh, for a while unless there's a major injury. Which, by the way, Paul DeYoung did get hit on the hand by a fastball tonight and came out of the game. So we'll see how that plays out um, in Triple A. But how, yeah, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on that, Daniel? Um, yeah, it's interesting. You're right. Mo is, we, uh, we have our annual blogger event here coming up, um, the 16th and I'm sure we'll have questions for Mo about Paul DeYoung and maybe about this as well. But, um, you know, looking at what he's done in Memphis, he's got 11 homers, but he's still hitting what, 230 if, if lower, um, around there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, kind of, it's kind of all or nothing. And with the ballparks being different and, you know, all that, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, with men of Mundo Sosa hitting triples every, all every day, it seems like now, yeah. um, it, it does make it difficult for him to get up here. And, you know, with Nolan Gorman here now, you know, there's not an obvious, you're right. Unless there's an injury, it becomes very difficult unless he figures out how to play outfield or something uh, to see how he can be back on this team, even unless he just, you know, dominates. And it, you're right. It could be that, you know, somebody sees value with at the trade deadline and that's, that's the way he helps this team is by bringing somebody else in. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think it'd take a couple injuries, right? Because I would rather have is when I think about the middle infield, I think of Edmund uh, Sosa, Gorman and Donovan, I think Ooh. I would all play ahead of DeYoung right now. Now, of course, yep. Donovan can play in the outfield, so maybe he's utilized out there instead. But even still, that's multiple injuries before you get back to Paul DeYoung. Right. Yeah. So, we'll see. I mean, it, it is a bummer, but, uh, you know, the uh, the team has made a several, you know, addition by subtraction moves in the last month or so. And one of those was sending Paul DeYoung down. And uh, it's hard to imagine him coming back without some sort of insane outburst. And hopefully he, the the hit in the hand is nothing. And, yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe he can get moved to the Reds for a bullpen <laughs> arm or something. 
he has a on base percentage in AAA of two sixty four. Not great. Not yeah. great. Not yeah. Great. Well, uh, moving on, um, our last sort of topic in this section, um, we're seeing uh, more Ivan Herrera, which is uh, good to see. One way or another, we've got to start seeing what he looks like uh, as the um, starting catcher for the Cardinals because that's the direction it's going. So let's get him up there now. We've talked about the catcher problem for a little while now. Uh, How are you all feeling about this early taste of uh Yvonne that we're seeing um I, I so far so good um you <laughs> yeah. know I I've I've liked the and I I will admit I haven't necessarily had a chance to watch many of the games so I've watched a couple of that he's been in um you know I think his defense is is good he obviously has some good instincts um it was great to see him get his you know his major league hit and a couple of hits in that game unfortunately he didn't have any sense um, but you know, it's not like Andrew Kister's lighting the world on fire offensively either. So, um, I do think it's pretty interesting that he played three straight games, um, including a Wainwright start that Wainwright was much better in. So, um, I, I, this is a key and Alan, I've talked about this on our show that this is a very huge time for the Cardinals to figure out what this catcher situation is going to look like for next year. Um, and one of these guys, you, you hope will grab a hold of this and at least make it clear that they, they want to be the starter for next year. Yeah, I think I, I I've been, you know, I, I think the smoothness behind the plate, the, uh, the, the Yachty factor that as far as like being able to frame, having the power arm, um, and, and looking like they know what they're doing when they're calling a game has all been there. The guy looks like a catcher, which is, uh, you know, I, I think check, checkbox one his arm plays way better than kisner i think we've seen that already in a couple of plays and i'm very curious to see the bat um i I definitely think the way in which he goes about it by by which i mean i I think we've seen him take some really nice pitches and and kind of have decent at bats although the results haven't been there has been solid um but yeah i think you're right on i i think this even if and you can't get much less production than we were getting (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and being able to take this time to have Yvonne spend time with Wayno and, and the rest of the starting rotation and uh, Mad Dog and and kind of be a part of the staff and be a part of professional or, or not professional uh, MLB uh, meetings and, and, and all that is all huge. And I think it, it would not shock me if we saw the glove kind of precede the bat and the bat hopefully kind of follow up behind that. Um so, so I'd say I'm happy about all that. I will say it, it does kind of bum me out about Kinzer. I always thought the bat was just going to come around, and it just mm-hmm. isn't. And he has yeah. had some games where the man he's just looked rough, like uh, yeah, like not a major league player rough. Um, and I don't know if that's who he is. Um, uh, he but he that's always what it's was like he was always competent at the least, if not you know, good or or great in the minors, but. I mean, I, I I have to imagine several years of only getting spot at bats and spot starts like those skills degrade. It's hard to be a major league hitter, even when you're getting at bats every single day. So if you're you know if you're the backup to the the catcher who's notorious for playing every single game, right? It's hard to keep up with those things, and you're not getting younger, you know, while you sit on the bench. So. I wonder um, also, you know, there's a lot that goes into the catching position, right? I mean, you're really focused on 
learning the pitchers, figuring out how to call a game, you know, and, and all the, that that encompasses. And so I think I've, I've heard, you know, the bat can come around late on a catcher just because they've got all that other aspects to do yeah. that, to deal with. So, you know, maybe he will develop somewhere along and, and maybe he won't. I mean, Carson Kelly has not necessarily just been outstanding out in Arizona, you know, and we always thought Carson Kelly was probably going to be maybe, I don't know where the, I think Kisner was expected to be a little bit better bat than him, but it was close. Yeah. Um, so you never know. Well, for what it's worth, you know, he's only had 18 plate appearances, which is an incredibly small sample size this year. So, you know, yeah. you can only take so much from it. But he does have an 11% walk rate in that time, which is right in line with his uh, career average. So he's he's carried that um, eye for the plate with him uh, pretty much immediately. And most of the projection systems, despite the fact that he has an 18 WRC plus over his first uh, 18 plate appearances. Remember 100 is league average. Um, he is projected to be right around league average the rest of the season. So, um, you know, some of the underlying numbers in his history would suggest that, you know, he should be better. And, and we really can't judge someone off of their first five or six games in the majors. True. So um, I think, Let's move on, though. We, we've sort of hinted at it for a little bit. Um, we want to talk about Wayno. Um, so, Ben, I can see you're, you're jumping out of your chair. I can, and, and that's the most movement I've seen you do in <laughs> a decade. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm an athlete, sir. <laughs> I had to wheelbarrow you around Boston. I bowled uh, a 157 recently. That's fine. It's pretty good. I thought it's pretty good. All right. I, uh, once this is maybe my greatest <laughs> athletic accomplishment. I bowled a 212 one time and it was that's very bookended. good. It was bookended by like a 75 and like a 58 and something <laughs> you know it just all came together for me when the stars align the stars align it was i got two turkeys gobble gobble baby i was on top of it then i was the best wow. night of my life but anyway <laughs> your beautiful anyway. daughters and your beautiful wife but yeah that's that sounds good you ever get a high, you know, slightly above average night of bowling? <laughs> <laughs> right, what do we want to talk about? Wayne? No, we've talked about him a little bit, but there's something that seems to have un unlocked recently. I, he flipped a switch, boys. He's uh, Wayno. I mean, he talked about it in a couple of interviews. He found out, which I, I just find this hilarious. He was discussing his curveball with one of the guys in the bullpen. Um, I can't remember their name right now and realize that he had been holding his curveball grip incorrectly to start the season. Um, during that conversation, he realized that he wasn't putting the right pressure on his thumb. He's made that adjustment. Um, and, and it lines up almost exactly. He is now striking out over 10 guys per nine. Uh, we've seen three great starts in a row from him. Um, you know, we were talking about the ageless wonder and he was getting by on pure guile and, old manisms and, and whatever shenanigans and trickery. And you know, that well, one that, time he remember that one time when he said, Hey, look over there. And then <laughs> through the, through the strike, that was, uh, that was really impressive. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the curveballs biting again, it's back in the, in the, I think it's 80th or 90th percentile on, on stack spin rate. I, I mean, the thing is it just came back to life fully 
And wouldn't you know that helps every single other pitch that he throws quite a bit. So yeah, I mean, I mean, we're watching it. Um, I, I, I find it hilarious. Baseball. Th- this is why I love baseball is that somebody who has been throwing that curveball for probably 25 years plus forgot what he was doing and then <laughs> recognized it and, and made the adjustment. Yeah, it's that it, that is yeah. The strikeouts are definitely up. I will say, the last two starts before yesterday's seven or two or Monday's seven inning shutout game, the two before that were a little bit concerning just because you know high pitch counts. Um, you know, one of those games he doesn't make it out of the fifth, which is not like Wainwright. Um, and I did wonder if it was working with Kisner. I know they've had some history and things like that, but. You know, we saw then Herrera c- catch him on Monday and everything is better. Now, that's small sample size. It could be just, you know, a lot of other variations. But you wonder if that's it's going to be interesting to see if this time while Molina's out, if Herrera is the one that catches him or if there is a, a split between the two. And it's so funny how that works. And I'd love to know the ins and outs of what that looks like. But we saw when Matts was healthy, Matts and, and Kinzer had their kind of thing and, and they were they were working really well. And it's, I mean, there are, there, there are intricacies to the game plan and how in which you communicate that and all that, that I, I won't pretend to understand, but, uh, it is fascinating how that works out. You also have to imagine, you know, um, Wayno obviously is very, very comfortable with one catcher and, and doesn't have a lot of experience with many others. And I'm sure that's a factor too. I don't know what to, to what degree, he doesn't have tel- telepathy yeah. with these guys. He actually has to, you know, make symbols or something instead yeah. of just thinking it. But yeah, the fact that sometimes Wayno uh, and Yachty. <laughs> oh, sorry, Nate. The, the fact that sometimes Yachty and Wayno don't even put down a sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just blow kisses at each other. I think we're watching different games. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was reading pages from my fan fiction. Your fan fiction. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, Wayno spent a, a big time of his career being, you know, a, a strikeout guy and we'd love to see some of that return definitely makes it his success more sustainable. So, uh, I guess we'll keep an eye on it. And that, uh, I think I, I want, we all want Wayne, uh, Yachty to come back healthy, but also it's just for that, that relationship between those two and that record that they're, that Ooh, they're hunting down. I want that record. Yep. It, absolutely. It, it will be interesting, though, now that we're seeing Herrera get more starts and it feels like the transition is starting. Do they carry three catchers when when Yadi comes back healthy or, uh, you know, do you? I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see. Um, one last thing. Bounce Pinzer. Oh, I, I think so. I, I, I would be really surprised if it's Herrera that goes down at this point. Yeah. But um, one last thing before we. Uh, go to break and into the back half of the show. Uh, Junior Fernandez back at times has been heralded as the future of the Cardinals pitching staff at times has been (laughs) forgotten. Um, He's had a really good week though, and the Cardinals have needed it. Uh, Six and a third innings did not give up a hit. So welcome back, Junior. (laughs) We we need you. Looking good. It's it's good to see. I mean, you know, again, small samples and relievers, and you toss out all of that stuff. But yeah. you know, he has he has shown he has the talent in the past, but it's trying to harness it. It's much like Johan Oviedo, right? That we've mm-hmm. seen finally 
kind of click yet. I know that that's a, a very important topic for the show, <laughs> um, but um, to, to see him over the last little bit seem to find a spot in the bullpen and finally figure out how to yeah. you know throw strikes is it's been big. Yeah, I mean, 101 with a crazy 85 mile an hour changeup, that'll play. Um, I think that the crazy, I'd kind of gotten to the point where I was just like Junior Fernandez is it's just not a part of the Cardinals future. So I'm going to kind of take this and run with it and at least be very happy with it for this last week. And I guess see, see what happens the week yeah. next, or the next week. Yeah. Certainly will take anything. And, you know, the thing with small sample sizes is you can't predict the future using them, but you can at least be happy with what you got from them. And we'll certainly take, uh, you know, six innings and a third with a perfect result. So uh, we've got more league wide news to talk about. And of course, I'm going to subject these two to a um, to a brand new game. Mm. Uh, But before we get to that, I. I got a DM on Twitter today from uh, Daniel here himself saying he wants to take the ad read. Oh, so uh, I'm going to give it over to our guest to tell all of our listeners about how they can support <laughs> us. If, if somebody doesn't remember, I've done this before. You have. The old I remember. Day, so. I, remember but, uh, but I, I was I surprised wanted, you you wanted to do it again. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, y'all may not like it when I do. Um, <laughs> okay. Are you looking for great ways to be informed and connect on social media? There's a lot of great accounts on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're going to follow those accounts, you might as well follow these guys as well. The social media <laughs> branding experts that call their Twitter one thing and their Instagram another. <laughs> Let's talk about talk about birds on Twitter and talking about birds on talking about birds on Insta. As the we got to fix that. We really got to fix that. <laughs> Uh, at least that's that's what the media tells me the kids say. Uh, you can also like their page on Facebook if you want to risk over there and finding the part of society that thinks culture peaked in the 1980s. <laughs> um, but I hear you say, and oh, that's all great, but I'm not up for this big group social media interaction. You are in luck. You can harass Ben and Nate in a much more confined setting. You can email them at talkingaboutbirds at gmail.com and ask them all sorts of things like when Yadier Molina will be back, why Dakota Hudson can't throw strikes, and why they have really stupid guests on their show. (laughs) I also hear Nate has a lot of varied interests and is quickly moving into cargo shorts dad territory, so be sure to ask his opinion on those. Also, Ben is getting married, and so if you have great ideas for his wedding plans, such as having the Rockies mascot Dinger be the ring bearer, email him and I'm 100% sure he will do whatever you suggest. That's the smartest thing that's ever been said on this podcast. And did you know you can actually pay these guys to do this show? I, I know, right? I, I'm planning to start a Patreon myself that gets people to pay me not to do my shows as my <laughs> retirement plan. But anyway, look them up on Patreon. And if you contribute monthly, no matter how little or how much, you can be part of their very own private Discord server that they proudly call the Bird Scored. I know, but we humor them. Uh, <laughs> get in there as we talk about games, the moves the Cardinals have made and should make. If you're on the fence about this, let me give you a simple sample of the depth that you can find there. The most recent post from Nate is from Nate who says that was a great game until it wasn't. If you <laughs> listen to this show, you can tell this is this is powerful stuff. Uh, also, all Patreon supporters get an invite to Ben's wedding. Um, <laughs> you can find them on your favorite podcast platform, which you probably know since you're probably listening to them now on your favorite podcast platform. And they can also be found on Spotify, though they have not yet gotten the Joe Rogan deal. <laughs> not yet. 
<laughs> I don't know if we want the Joe Rogan deal at this point. But... <laughs> there are some uh, yeah. Well, thank you for doing our job better than we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, <before>. for real. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, all part of the service. Dude, the dinger being the ring bearer, the 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 dinger bearer, the ringer bearer, there's something there. I cannot tell you how excited Mary would be about that. That is the first thing I'm going to tell her as soon as we're done. Uh, I'm supposed to do some degree of like music or DJ or something at one part of the wedding. You and, have a um, job, yeah. I have a job, and I've if I can get a hold of a dinger costume, I'm doing it all in. A- <laughs> You got to do the head. You got to do the head spin around. Oh, hell yeah. Of course. Uh, Well, thank you. Uh, (laughs) Please. Let's tell our uh, listeners. What about your stuff? Daniel, thank you for telling everyone about ours. But um, if you know, you want to hear an actual intelligent, uh, you know, Cardinals blogger, uh, Cardinals person, talk about the Cardinals. Where can people find your content and how can people support you? Well, if if you're looking for that and you want to be disappointed, um, you can find me uh, at Twitter, uh, C70. Uh, You can find me uh, writing at the Cards Conclave, which is cardsconclave.com. You can find Meet Me at Mutual on all the podcast um, platforms as well. Uh, You can find Gateway to Baseball Heaven there as well. Um, I occasionally throw up something at us on the Substack, uh, which is cardinal70.substack.com. And I think that's everything baseball related, at least. Great. Well, um, Daniel had us on Meet Me at Mutual pretty early in the season, and it was a ton of fun. It's a great podcast. Uh, highly recommend you check it out. It has uh, a one steady co-host, but you you manage to fill in when when um, Alec can't be there with a, yeah. a ton of great people from around the the sort of Twitter and Cardinal blogosphere. And it's always a good listen. Yeah, well, thank you, guys. Yeah. Um, so we've got some uh, broader league news here to talk about. Just some, some you know, it's always fun to touch in uh, into the the things that are happening that are not Cardinal related. Um, I'm going to turn over to Binda to sort of hit the the first topic here. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, this, this, I, 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 I whoa, whoa, I'll, I'll calm down. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, Cardinals relevant since the Cardinals are making their trip out to old, uh, the city of brotherly love here soon after this uh, Miami series. Bryce Harper, um, who I think this podcast is pro. Like, we, I'm, we a like Bryce. I'm a big fan of Bryce Harper. Yeah, I know he could rub people the wrong way, but I, yeah, we like him. Um, and a lot of that was so earlier in yeah. his career when he was like 20 and he had, was on the cover of ESPN when he was like 15. So it's right. like that is the recipe to be a douchebag. And I <laughs> yeah. think that he has matured in a way that, you know, he doesn't really get credit for people just assume he's still an asshole and everything seems to indicate that he's actually a pretty cool guy at this point, including this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so he, uh, unfortunately he was dealing with, he's got an elbow issue, so he's DHing only. And then he goes up to face the Padres, Blake Snell's throwing straight gas, uh, throws a four seamer high and inside and catches his thumb. And if you, if you saw that replay, it was bad. Uh, the thumb is destroyed. Actually announced today that he's going to be getting surgery with the plan. He's not getting elbow surgery. The plan is to get the thumb surgery, get him back as quickly as possible, address the elbow later, but he's going to be out for at least a few months. 
Um, and, and I say this is one of those, it's like the Fernando Tatis injury. It's, it's the, one of those injuries. It's just bad for baseball. I think wherever your yeah. fandom lies, baseball is better with Bryce and, and having an injury like this is just, it's just a bummer. It sucks. Um, I mean, he, I think he is hall of fame and you know, he's one of the best players in baseball. I think he's a good face of the game. Um, I don't know if you caught it. He was rightfully like anyone would be. He was pretty emotional when he first got hit. Um, but then Blake Snell was basically like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like was yeah. yelling and, and Harper was like, I know, I know it's not your fault. Yeah, he was basically like accepting Blake Snell's apology on the field before he even got into the dugout, which I thought was really nice. Cause yeah. you know, of course Blake Snell wasn't trying to do that. Like, you know, uh, outside of most situations, uh, you guys aren't trying to hurt anyone else. And that sucks. You know what it's going to, if you're the one who hurt, you know, Bryce Harper, you're going to hear about it. So it was nice of Harper to, uh, you know, forgive him like on the field. Yeah. Uh, so it sucks. Uh, I did see a report today that he might be back in six weeks. I think that's a little lofty, but you know, maybe he'll come back sooner than, than you normally get from a shattered thumb. Uh, but Hopefully he comes back quickly. Yeah, I think I, I heard him say that uh, he'd rather take 98 to the face than 97 to the thumb. And he can yeah. say that because he's taken 98 to the <laughs> he's face. Done both. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, good. Yeah. The fact that, yeah, he was he, he, accepting Snell's apology there. Um, and, you know, he said, you know, afterwards, hey, we, you know, I played with him since I was, you know, 10 or something like that. I right. know he wasn't trying to hurt me. And, and we saw what he did with Hinesis Cabrera, you know, getting hit, you know, in the face. And he was, you know, absolutely, you know, supportive of Cabrera and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it just shows you what kind of player and, and person he is. Yeah. If memory serves, he like got Cabrera's number and reached out and called or mm-hmm. texted and said, Hey, don't worry about it. It happens. And, and yeah, yeah, that, yeah, totally yeah. what you're saying. He's like the opposite of a douchebag, but he still has that reputation of <laughs> when he was young. And I mean, he kind of was, but again, he was like, programmed to be a douchebag by the the treatment that he got as a, as a teenager. If I was on TV when I was 18, nobody would talk to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For being how like strong you are. And when you're like 18, I mean, I was on a couple covers of a few magazines for, uh, for how strong I am, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, another thing I wanted to break up is we kind of alluded to it, I think at one point, but, uh, Freddie Freeman comes back to the ATL. I think we all thought this would be a thing, um, I think what, yeah, what, what I have written here, apparently there is crying in baseball, lots and lots of it. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I really have an opinion on, about Freddie Freeman crying. I was shocked about the quantity of the crying, um, just because that is not something that we see from professional athletes. But the question I want to ask you to is how are you feeling if you are a Dodgers player and you see the kind of emotional outbursts and, and I know, there's a lot more tied into this. I'm I'm oversimplifying it, but Daniel, if you're Clayton Kershaw, if if you're Mookie Betts, how are you feeling about Freddie Freeman's kind of the way he dealt with the media? I don't know what you want to call it um, over the last weekend. Well, you saw like, Clayton Kershaw said something about I hope we're not second fiddle, um, and yeah, I think there's probably a little bit of that. It does sound like um, you know I was reading a. A article from Ken Rosenthal today that basically wrote, uh, Freeman's firing his agents because it really feels like that this whole situation didn't go the way he wanted it to, to go. Um, but, uh, you know, I think also, I think you also realize 
there's those ties. I mean, I don't think anybody had in on the Angels um, thought anything less of Albert Pujols when he came to St. Louis and was just, you know, almost, you know, it was almost like a home game for him. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's fresh and new for them because he's just, you know, he's just a Dodger now. But um, I think it passes pretty easily after they get out this weekend. Yeah, well, they won a World Series together, you know, and, and yeah. also Freddie Freeman, like, do you remember it wasn't that long ago when all the news articles were like, poor Freddie Freeman, he's the only good Braves player, like, they they blew up the whole team and he's stuck there, like, why won't the Braves trade Freddie Freeman, you know, he went through a lot on that team, and uh, I think probably most guys understand that, and then now we're that that article also we're learning a little bit about, like, he might have been directly misled by his agent as well about like the contract offers and things like that, which is really shitty. Um, you know, so it, it all just it, it's it's kind of unfortunate. It it sucks for everyone except for the fact that he still made is making hundreds of millions of dollars in place for the best team in baseball so there's still, oh you know, yeah there's that you know it's okay well everyone's gonna be okay yeah. out of this whole thing so um i don't know I, I i like these guys showing their emotions you know like i think that's the the newer wave of of not just baseball but just ath, ath athletics you know i want to see yeah. these guys actually you know and to, to be clear, I, I don't have any problem with that. I was surprised by it because we just sure. don't see that. I was yeah. more wondering, yeah, like if you're in the if, if if the Cardinals fans are watching Nolan go back to Denver and you know he he was beside himself, I know what Cardinals Twitter would be saying. You know, there there would be some vitriol and, and that wouldn't go over well. But anyways, all right, uh let's move on. Next topic. Mark Appel, former first round overall pick. I think it was twenty. 12 or 2013 i might be pulling that number out of thin air that's a name Um, i haven't heard in a long time (laughs) a long time (laughs) that one's for you uh daniel (laughs) he has made the phillies big league club um as of this record i don't do not believe he has made his uh, uh big league debut but it is highly likely that the cardinals will see him next week and uh, if you remember all the uh, weirdness and, and pain and suffering that kind of happened with the Astros when he was originally drafted, it's just a feel-good story. Happy for the guy. Um, apparently, he's throwing really well. He's cut down his repertoire to two pitches, and apparently, they're nasty. So just just nice to see that kind of work out for a guy who had everything and then didn't and then got tossed around and left baseball and came back. And I mean, that's one of the reasons I love baseball so much is that stories like this are even possible. Yeah, it, I, good for him. I mean, it's uh, it's quite the comeback. Um, you know, I, I hope he sticks, except for when he's playing against the Cardinals. I hope <laughs> they send him back to the minors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a testament to his uh, um, resiliency, and uh, you love to see a guy succeed after after all that first round pick. I mean. There's a whole thing in baseball about first round, the first overall picks, like not often succeeding. And he might be the the poster child for that, at least of the last several decades. Yeah. And because, I mean, they took him over Chris Bryant, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. you know, that could have, there were a lot of what ifs and what could have been there. Um, but 
it's good. Yeah, you're right. To be able to see a guy that can, you know, go away and come back. I mean, we've seen some of those kind of things with, with Cardinal players over the, over the years and other teams have as well, but it's always a good, a good story. And you know, that's kind of what baseball is. Yeah. It's like the pros and there's, there's a lot of downside to like the insane degree of depth that there is to all of the minor league systems and whatnot, you know, that like, uh, on the downside, it's this like, you know, grinder that just churns through players and, and like ex- exploits, uh, you know, workers to, to the extreme degree. But on the uh, other side of that, you know, if you can still play, there's a team for you somewhere. And if you can excel, you can make your way back through that system. And, uh, you know, most other sports, once you sort of fall out of, the uh you know the the major league level uh talent pool like you're done you will never have another shot at it yeah and and hey if you can throw the ball go get in the philly system and they will probably be a major leaguer pretty soon (laughs) also if you can catch the ball (laughs) if you could do anything other than hit a home run every (laughs) once in a while the phillies could use you uh get in line and Cassianos is not even having a good year. The Phillies are just. I hope the Cardinals crush them. Um, yeah. Well, obviously, to, but to be fair, that like that sucks for them. Like Cassianos has been awesome for several years, and yeah. they go and get him, and it's like it fell apart. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Schwarber's uh, doing okay for him. At least he's hitting a lot of home runs. He could hit bombs. Um, he's yeah. going to need to hit about a bomb every night with Harper down. Uh, down, but we'll we'll yeah. see what happens. Um, last thing I wanted to talk about, I don't think we could do a podcast about baseball without talking about the fightiest fight I've seen in a, <laughs> quite a long time. Um, I'm referencing the, uh, the Mariners and the angels, um, nothing better than two mediocre teams ripping each other's heads off. <laughs> um, this was really started by Mike Trout kind of got buzzed, um, high and inside with some, some big heat. He complained about it to the media. And uh, the the Angels did something that I think it was so transparent that I'm I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if Phil Nevin is not go, does not come back from his or sorry comes back from his suspension no longer the manager Phil Nevin started an opener which is not something that they have done historically this season to specifically throw at Angels players in my opinion <laughs> um, and I mean, I, I can't do the fight justice on this podcast, but go look it up if you haven't seen it. 12 players got suspended. I was reading that an interpreter got suspended um, <laughs> as part of the, the brouhaha yeah. that happened. Um, Hell which, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. That is, that is being a team player right there. <laughs> yeah, get in there. By far the smallest person on the field. Um, and then a bit of a player suspended. Because if not, this is going to be really fun. That's a good question. Uh, It's like Stubby Clap getting in there and (laughs) (laughs) suplexing Pete Alonzo. Get the uh, get the get the interpreter in there. Um, So twelve guys suspended. One of them was interpreter and Archie Bradley. If you haven't seen the video (laughs) again, look look for the Archie Bradley. He basically falls into the dugout, breaks his elbow. He's out. Yeah, he's fucked up. Yeah. Um, I don't know what other color to add to this, but I, I guess, yeah, that, that happened. It was a good one. Um, Riceyel Iglesias threw a bunch of sunflower seeds on the field after the fight was over. Uh, to what end? I don't know. Who, who did he think was going to clean that up? I, I, I you know, I, I, it was good. I'll, I'll say that lots of suspensions all over the place. 
I looked it up today because um, I wanted. I, I wondered if they did. Um, Phil Nevin's major league debut, the catcher on the Astros, was Scott Service. Um, so they have. I mean, they had a, a brief overlap uh, oh. in Houston. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, we saw the fight. What earlier this year with the Mets and we saw Gallegos go over the wall and that was, Hey, that was cool <laughs> and fun. Yeah. But if he had face planted and been out for the rest of the year, I mean, uh, and then he would come back, everybody would strangle him because I mean, what, oh, yeah. what are you doing? Um, and I think it's got to be with Bradley because I mean, like, go around if you gotta you know <laughs> if you're gonna go over a wall you better be damn confident that you can ace the the vault you know cabrera i mean it was stupid but he at least did it well and and, and you know got over it but uh yeah breaking your <laughs> breaking your elbow going over a dugout wall is maybe one of the funnier things to have happened this year i mean i hope you know he he seems whatever i hope he recovers and everything but like Big oof on that one. Cool. And that could be frustrating because as badly as the Angels have played, I mean, in theory, could he have been on the trade market? Um, not I, that he's had much of a season, so maybe not. But yeah, I think you're right on. I think absolutely he would be on the trade market, though. Everybody's like, I mean, he gets ground balls. You know, everybody needs that. And uh, not the Angels don't have a lot of tradable pieces. But yeah, uh, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, don't break your elbow jumping over a wall if you're a Major League Baseball player. I think that's our takeaway or here. Or anybody, really. I mean, don't, yeah. just don't do it. Uh, also, uh, one more bit of color to add to that. Uh, Jesse Winker, as he was leaving the field, decided to give the double bird, double middle <laughs> yeah. finger to the Angels fans. Was I think caught him a couple extra days of suspension. So Dude. just a classy night by oh, everybody. Nothing classier than it, it, flipping did you off. See, did you see this? I, I saw it on uh, on uh, on the Athletic today. I don't know if y'all remember about last year, year four, maybe it was early this year, when Joey Votto got tossed out of a game, and there was a girl there that wanted that was uh, waiting to see Joey Votto was her favorite player, and it kind of became a big deal. And he he said he signed her a ball, you know, met with her. The same girl went to that game to see Jesse Winker because he was a red. And he got tossed out of the game. <laughs> and probably flipped her off too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so he signed her a ball. <laughs> so if you ever want to see your favorite player tossed out of a game, find that girl. Yeah. And that's amazing. Happen. That's amazing. That's like the person who like survived both of the atom bombs in in japan you know like the per anyway yeah, um, exactly like that <laughs> yeah that's worse one for one <laughs> yeah it's basically the modern equivalent of that uh yeah it's great what a good what a good benches clearing brawl anything ending with someone flipping off an entire stadium with both their hands you know it's going well 100 percent. yeah <laughs> Well, speaking of things going well, it's time for that to end and us to uh, move into the last section of of uh, of the podcast. Daniel, we, we've been, uh, you know, I know you listen to the show. We've been doing um, we've been ending every episode with uh, me challenging Ben on some sort of stupid game. And a lot of those games uh He's flexing right now, and not honestly, right, rightfully so. He typically does pretty well. Python's at, over here, baby. Look at, at that. Well, 
Although I can't remember how well he did on the game that I suggested for you. Like the Star. Remember. Well, you created yeah. the Star Wars game, that's true. and that's, uh, that's what it was. He did okay. He did, uh, he did fine. He did I've, fine. Yeah, I've got a I've got a whole new game for us tonight. I've been thinking about something that would work with multiple people, and uh, so I was thinking. You know, everyone here is uh, obviously we're Cardinal fans. Um, we're doing a Cardinal podcast. It'd be weird if we weren't. And uh, who doesn't love, you know, talking about stats, remembering stats, thinking about some of the the, the most impactful players that the uh, the Cardinals have had over the last couple decades. I'm going to put you each to the test to see how much do you actually know about some of the most famous Cardinals of all time in a mm-hmm. game that I'm calling. What did he do? What did he do? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I'm shaking. So here's how this game is going to work. I have a, a a series of of players and a distinct stat of theirs. Um, we're going to go back and forth. I will say the player and the stat, and whoever goes first will have to guess make their best guess at what that stat is. So if I said something like, how many wins does Adam Wainwright have as a Cardinal? Whoever goes first will make a guess, and then whoever goes second will make their guess. Uh, we are doing Price is Right rules. So whoever is, clarify. Yes, whoever is closest without going over uh, will win, and we'll see who wins. Because I at because we are doing prices right rules. I am your host, Bob Ballparker. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> oh, that actually physically hurt. <laughs> you can thank Molly for that one. Um, so, uh, I think this game is rigged already. Uh, <laughs> Daniel, you are a guest. You will go first. So, I. Uh, our first one. What is, and this was at least before tonight's game. What is Albert Pujols' batting average as a St. Louis Cardinal? Oh, as a Cardinal. Uh, I'm going to say 322. 322. All right, Ben, what is your guess? I'm going to guess that Daniel's over, and I'm going to say three. I'll go 300. Everyone listening knows Ben was just way wrong. The answer is 326. Daniel, you nailed it. All right. Uh, all right. So I will say, I meant to say this before, <laughs> though this is unlikely. Uh, if anyone gets it exactly right, you get two points. Two points. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. okay. All right. Ben, you will, go, yeah. you will go first on this one. Thank you. Lou Brock. Known speedster. He actually leads the Cardinals all time in stolen bases. But how often was he caught? Ben, how many times was Lou Brock caught stealing? Okay, I know this number is high um, because that was when people didn't care about getting caught by uh, caught, uh, caught stealing bases. So I... I mean, it's high. Obviously, he stole more than he got caught. Um. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm going to guess. Oh, I hate this. 
I'm I'm gonna go with four hundred and thirty five caught stealing. <laughs> four hundred and thirty five. Nice. Yep. Daniel, what's your guess? I feel like that's high. Um I've, now I, I feel like it's much. high. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say three hundred and fifty six. All right, you are both over. Uh, over really now yeah. technically daniel you're closest but that's not how price that, is right no, price no, is no right points for there. Award, no points I, awarded I, I almost went zero just for the heck of it, <laughs> i but, thought you uh, might uh he was caught 285 times wow, wow. okay now your right. hall of famers better i guess <laughs> yep daniel maybe the most famous home run hitter of all time on the st louis cardinals mark mcguire how many home runs as a Cardinal did Mark McGuire hit? Okay. So there were 34 and 70. You should guess 66. a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say 194. 194. Great. Oh. Ben. So I, I had 250 in my mind before Daniel guessed. Um, I, I, I'm I going to play the game. I'm going to play the game, and I'm going to go with $1 uh, Bob Ballberger. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for honoring my name. Of course. Ben, you're going to take this one. Uh, Mark mm. McGuire. Wait, wait. Hold on. I, th- I might have just screwed it up. That's incorrect. Daniel, you're going to take this Whoa. one. <laughs> So what? The only thing better about getting points is when you Ben thinks he got points. <laughs> I almost screwed it up, but I saved it. He hit two hundred. He hit two hundred and twenty home runs as uh, as a uh, as a Cardinal. So Daniel, with your one uh, one ninety six guess, you are correct. You were the closest wow. without going over. So Ben, thank my you for two fifty would have been wrong. My That's one why is I wrong. got yeah. yeah the two fifty. You broke my brain for a second and made me think uh, that Daniel guessed 250. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to write down what your yeah. guesses are. Um, all right. Uh, ben, you will go first on this one. All right. Ray Langford, mm-hmm. Cardinal Hall of Famer. Yep. All around chill dude. Friend of the pod. Friend- <laughs> we assume he likes us. Um <laughs> Him, him, and my dad share a first name, so he must like us. <laughs> That's how it works. How many runs did Ray Langford score as a St. Louis Cardinal? Oh my goodness! Um, I am going to Daniel. You're you're screwed on this one. I got it locked in. All right, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to go with nine hundred and fifty. 950. Great. Daniel. Oh. Um. I'm going to say. I don't have any idea. 800. Just because. It's a good reason. Yep. Here comes the W. Ben. You are super close. Oh. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're a little bit high. 
Yeah. <laughs> Ray Langford scored 926 runs as a St. Louis Cardinal. This is Daniel, the worst well night of my done. life. <laughs> well done, Daniel. Daniel is currently winning three to nothing. Oh my goodness. I like the game when I'm playing no one <laughs> better. <laughs> All right, Daniel, you will go first. Bob Gibson. When you go to baseball reference and you look at all-time leaders for the St. Louis Cardinals on pitching stats, he leads just about every single thing. He's also known for being a little erratic. You never felt safe while in the box against Bob Gibson. At least that's his reputation. How many people did Bob Gibson hit while a starter for the St. Louis Cardinals? Not as many as we think. Um, I'm going to say... See... Pitch. I'm going to say 84. 84. All right, Ben. All right. The number I had in my, I think I'm just going to say the number I had in my mind. Um, I'm going to go with 49. Bob Gibson hit 102 oh, people. Goodness. <laughs> It's not as many as we as we you know as you think when you hear his reputation, but it was also still one hundred and two people. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel wow. running away with this game. Um, this is like you know when you'd play a video game by yourself and you think you're like really good at it, and then you <laughs> like and then you and then you play online and you just get smoked by everyone. I think that's what's happening. Uh, that's how right Daniel's now. feeling right now. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Um, there's still some time left. You're going to need a miracle bin, but I've got a, I've got, I always run it out. Yeah. I've got some more hustle player. Everyone's favorite broadcaster, Al Raboski. Why was he so mad? He had a great career with the St. Louis Cardinals and beyond. How many saves? preamble. (laughs) (laughs) How many saves as a member of the St. Louis Cardinals did he have? Ben, you go first. Oh, damn it. Um, hmm. I, you know, that, that I don't know. That, that is a baseball reference page that I do not wander to very often. <laughs> um, so I'm not feeling very equipped for this. Um, obviously, he was very good. Um, people know who he is, but not a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famers are generally on around four to five hundred. So I'm going to say that he had 230. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm just going to say he had 200 even um, saves with the St. Louis Cardinals. All right, Daniel. I'm going to guess 10 <laughs> because I don't know, but I think 200 is too high. <laughs> be awesome if it was like six. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Daniel, you're playing the game and you're winning the game. He had 59 saves. What? As a St. Louis Cardinal. Yeah. 
I got to feel like, I mean, I don't know how long Al pitched for the Cardinals, but he's never been listed as a Cardinal Hall of Famer or anything of that nature. So I don't feel like his tenure was all that long and saves were different back then. So I, I resign. I think he had, yeah, it was, it was a less common stat at that time. I think his most he had in one season was 23 and he actually was top three Cy Young that year. So just a totally different time for baseball. So um, this is well, the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, you're currently winning five to nothing. Mm. Uh, but hey, remember, if you get it exactly right, you get two points. So, Ben, you're not out of it yet. There's three True. more. Mathematically, I'm I'm in this. This one, I think, is the most likely one of you will get exactly right. Stan Musial, the best Cardinal of all time, one of the best players of all time, inner, inner, inner circle Hall of Fame. Uh, much like Bob Gibson, his name is at the top of virtually every single offensive leaderboard for the St. Louis Cardinals. How many total bases did Stan Musial have? Uh, <clears throat> Daniel, you go first on this one. Um, I want to say it was like, oh, I think I've seen this number before somewhere. I'm going to say, what's his hits? <laughs> Total bases. Yeah, I'm going to say 4,600. All right, 4,600. Ben? So I was going to guess 4,152, but I'm, I need a win badly. Um, I'm going to go with $1. <laughs> So the but I think it's probably over what Daniel guessed. Are, are, I, yeah, are I'm you, just gonna say one dollar. I yeah. Well, we're looking for hits, not dollar amounts. So you're inherently, <laughs> you know, gonna struggle here. One Nate but, Buck. <laughs> ooh. Well, now those are worth a whole. <laughs> Stan Musial's total amount of hits or total amount of bases as a St. Louis Cardinal. Was six thousand one hundred and thirty-four. <laughs> Daniel's streak continues. Wow, that's impressive. That's that's yeah. a huge, huge, huge that's number. A lot. That's a lot. Um, ben, Ben, do you want us to publish this episode, or should we just bury this in the vault? I'm, I mean, I'm just going to walk into traffic. So do whatever you want with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we're going to more modern times. You just have a couple left. David Freeze, Cardinal Legend. Friend of emos, <laughs> <laughs> World Series hero, famous Pittsburgh Pirate. Um, he will go, he will forever be etched in the memory of St. Louis Cardinal fans, at least if you were alive during that time. But how many games did he actually play as a St. Louis Cardinal? How many regular season games did David Freeze play? As a St. Louis Cardinal, Ben, you go first. Six hundred and fifty. Six fifty. Locking it in quick, yep. Daniel. Uh, 
I'm going to say 522. Ben, you will be glad to know <laughs> that no one won on this one. <laughs> <laughs> really? It was less than 522? 466 regular season games. Wow. He was really only a starter for a couple of years. You know, it took him a couple of years yeah. to, to get in, and then he was only a starter for a couple of years. Man, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that it took this long for you to know something that a lot of us have known for a very long time. Yeah, I just don't look uh, inside a lot. Yeah. All right, last one. Also a hero of the 2011 World Series. Chris Carpenter was known for his longevity type of guy you could expect to start a game and finish a game. Mm. How many complete games does he have as a St. Louis Cardinal? Um, Daniel, you are first. I will say 10. 10. Ben? My initial guess was going to be 23, but I need a point so badly, I'm guessing 11. <laughs> you know what, Ben? It worked. He has 21 Yay. complete games yes. as a... As yes. He really should have gone with 23. <laughs> <laughs> you, that would have been hilarious because you would have been so close, but wrong oh. at the same time. So, uh, let me count it up that. real quick. Uh, do you, you need to count that up? Uh, Daniel, you're going to take this round. <laughs> of uh, <laughs> What did he do? Uh, I was trying to play the sound. What did he do? <laughs> good job. Good do? job, Daniel. We're all very impressed. <laughs> you win <laughs> seven to one. <laughs> Proud well, of you. Wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. It was a <laughs> lot of luck, but we'll take it. You should take it and be proud. <laughs> Although, I mean, really beating Ben. What are we? What are we doing here? Frankly, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that'll do it for this episode of Talking About Birds. Daniel, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. A lot of fun, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, and um, we'll be back next week. Uh, with another episode same time same place and until next week go cardinals thank you bye